This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Oh, that new doctor is dropped it gorgeous. Oh, please, he's just another RV League educated surgeon with good hair. No, he's different. Nurses, we got a classy motorhome with a detached driver's side mirror. Meet me in the OR. Stat. Right away, doctor. No, 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 she's on break. I'll handle this one. Oh, you conniving little... When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of That Mill Podcast. Hope everyone's doing well. Tonight, I'm joined post-match after the Watford game, a nil-nil draw with regular co-hosts Neil and Mickey. Hello, Neil. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad, Omar. Not too bad. Uh, Mickey, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all good, fellow. I'm all good. Millwall drew a nil-nil tonight, lads, at home to Watford. Second place at the table before the game. I believe they still are now because there weren't too many other games going on around us tonight because obviously it was making up for the game not being played over Christmas. How do we feel the game went, Neil? I mean, I'll come to you first on this one. Just I thought it was a kind of a back-to-the-wall performance a little bit from Millwall, not too much going forward. But I think a clean sheet out of that, take the last half-full kind of analogy and go with it and go on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. I think we were a lot better in the first half than we were in the second half. We looked quite creative at times in the first half. Jed Wallace looked interested, got really into the game. Uh, some good passes, McNamara... A couple of very, very good balls in from his flank. Unlucky with Jed, uh, sorry, with Jake Cooper. That header that could almost have gone anywhere that came back off the post. And I'd like to see a better angle on his header for the disallowed goal, to be quite honest, because I'm not convinced he was offside. 
I think I'm. Has, I want to agree with you. I want to be hopeful that it might have um, been wrongly disallowed, but nonetheless, it was disallowed. Mickey, what did you make of today's game overall? Before we delve into the final details of it, yeah, I think we're right. I, I, you know, I think the the most talking point there was the state of that pitch. I don't think I've ever seen our pitch that bad. Um, uh, you know, is the drainage system that knackered now that it's it, it's we're waiting for the end of the season so that we can repair everything. I know they wanted to repair it last year because hence before COVID hit, because that's why we couldn't get the ground for the Wonderwall Cup. Um, so, you know, it looks as if, if it is that bad, because um, it looked like a mud pit. Certain parts in front of the West Ham were just a mud pit. I'm going to say season before Kenny Jacket went, like roughly 2010, 2011, 2012, just before Lomas came in afterwards. I think we had a really torrid spell with the pitch and I think they relayed it and they put in this like grand spanking new pitch. And I think it was the first time in the Den's history that it was relayed thoroughly. I think normally they just take off a couple of the top surfaces and then they relay it completely. Um, and I think it, it is a case of you look like, look at it and it definitely is like a bit of a mud pit. I have to agree with you. It wasn't ideal for playing football. I mean, Neil, we don't really play football anyway, do we? So maybe nonetheless, it doesn't really matter too much, right? <laughs> yeah, it was a Sunday morning surface, wasn't it? I think I've refereed Terry Erlock on a Sunday morning on a better pitch than that over Wadham Lodge. Uh, what can you say? Yeah, it was definitely, definitely a leveller. I think in the first 10, 15 minutes, they've come from Old Trafford, uh, the Emirates, nice you have a nice surfaces like that then all of a sudden bish bang bosh they're back down at our level aren't yeah aren't they and i don't think they knew how to play it especially i think there was a chance with yeah was it yeah was it scott malone quite early on where their player just stopped and the ball held up and yeah no well it's a fast but then again it's yeah it's much the same for both teams isn't it it is indeed. The big news pre-match anyway was uh, Gary Rowett changed his team slightly from the Huddersfield game. I think we had two changes in total from that game if you take out the weekend fixture. And we had a new signing in there, lads. Uh, Michael Kieftenbelt. I'm going to call him Keith. I think that's just perfect name for Millwall. I think Keith is the name for him from now on. So I'm sure people are going to say the same thing because Kieftenbelt just doesn't really roll off the tongue the same way as it should, I think, for Millwall. But uh, Kiefer Bell came to the side and so did Ken Sahor in the place of Bodfartson. And I think in midfield, who would have missed out? Sorry, it was, I think, Sean Williams. So Sean Williams was on the bench tonight from the last weekend, uh, last week's performance. So we went with the 5-3-2 or the 5-2-1-2 or whatever way you want to look at numbers of it. Bill Kowski in goal. Leonard continued at the back with Hutchinson, Cooper, Matt and my right wing back and Scott Malone left wing back. Kiefer Bell and Woods in the middle. Thompson behind kind of making up the three, to be honest, for me. And Sahor and Wallace up top. What was your first thoughts of Kifton Bell coming in, Neil? I mean, obviously, Rowett's got his man. I've not really seen him before, but we spoke about it briefly on Friday Night Live, didn't we? But what did you make of him and obviously the, f- the signing as a, as a whole, really? Mate, he's real war, wasn't he? Yeah, well, let's face it. That foul to pick up that booking, if there were 10,000 people inside that ground we'd have been hanging off the sides, chanting the geezer's name, wouldn't we? Yeah. What a way to introduce yourself that would have been to Millwall fans. Yeah, well, everybody's saying, yeah, that he likes to put his foot in and that he's real, that he's that kind of player. What a fucking challenge, wasn't it? Just a, He just he just laid the geezer out. That 
is proper real wall. It was 27 minutes into his debut, actually. So, like, so we'll talk about making a mark. I think I read yeah. somewhere that he loves a tackle, and I was like, cool. I, I like the idea of that in midfield. And um, he's not necessarily the most versatile, was also the description of him, which I could, I could kind of see today from what I saw from him. But, yeah, 27 minutes in, he's classic Chaloba. I think Chaloba's on the verge of almost starting a counter-attack from a set-piece that we had. And he makes a tackle. I mean, I think if we all go in unison, like we probably would in the ground when he makes a tackle, and we all do it in per- from our household still and just go, Keith! I think we can uh, get it going, Mickey. What do you reckon? I think every time he makes a tackle, Keith! Keith! <laughs> I'm sure it'll I be think, heard. Do you know what? I think that was that was it. I think that poor fucker, mate, got Mark left on him, mate. I think, um, I think Keith left his mark 27 minutes uh, on that poor Watford f- fucking player's leg and 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 soul I think the way he was laying on the floor he, he was he did not like that and the thing is it's the same as what we say before and we've said it you know numerous amounts of times and um and we'll probably be able to say it on Friday's show with uh, the guest we'll announce a bit later on that um the premiership don't like when you take it to them and that's the problem these ex-premiership players who you know want to try and just play fancy football. They don't like it when you take it to them like that. I mean, they weren't the only one, but a lot of them looked, you know, they were all doing the little cheats today, little kicks and dragging people and pushing people over, all the little tricks. But when it got done back to them, they fucking hated it, mate. They really did not look comfortable at all. And and as the game was going on, what we were saying on the group chat, you know, Watford were looking pissed, mate. They were looking as if, like, we're being embarrassed here by a team that can't fucking score goals and has been playing shit the last few games. You know, we're we're challenging. That point has done us a favour, really, for a point, but it's cost them. Them losing two points there has, has cost them potentially going forward. It was one of those games where I actually turned my camera off there, by the way. So just in case one of you wondered, I was connect disconnecting. But um, it was one of those games where I felt like obviously we all both had a game in hand because obviously we didn't play it over Christmas. And if we won today, we'd kind of claw up a couple of places up to I think thirteenth place in the table. As it happens, we've actually have gone above Cardiff City today, who obviously under new management, which um, I think is well documented. Mick McCarthy stepping in there, who we have got on the weekend. So that'd be a humdinger of a game, I'm sure. Mick McCarthy's first game in charge against Millwall kind of made up to uh, a writer's uh, ideal journey, I suppose, there, Neil. You could probably shed more light on that, look for stories before the game. But, you know, I think going into the game, I was kind of hoping that we could maybe ruffle some feathers at Watford. And I, I don't think we really did today, but I thought what I saw from this 5-3-2... I, I'm kind of happy with it. I think Watford are a side that would be expected to dominate the game and be on the front foot. They've not conceded many goals and they have scored a fair few as well. And obviously they're second place in the table for no, you know, for an obvious reason. But I thought overall, we kind of weathered their storm a bit, Neil, and kind of, you know, whilst we rolled like a couple of times, it was a well-earned point, I felt like. They didn't really look like scoring, really, did they? But did they have any, absolutely any clear-cut chances where you thought, Oh, Christ almighty, well, we were lucky there. Yeah, well, apart from, I think, you know, didn't Andre Gray force a decent save out of Birkowski in the second half and then uh, he scrambled down to get away the overhead kick? Apart from that, yeah, they've got players, Saar, the Albino geezer, Hughes, uh, (laughs) that other fellow, Cleverly, the one that's married to the Towie bird or whatever. 
Yeah, they are top quality players for this division, and they had the quality, but they just didn't. Yeah, but they looked like us when they went in the final third of the pitch, didn't they? So there was just no cutting edge with them. I, yeah, well, I didn't think they were that special, to be honest. But then again, I guess you, know, you play them in two days' time and it could be a different story, couldn't it? I think we have a couple of like high enough moments we're used to as Mill fans, um, but not as much as I'd probably expect to be against the top two side, Mickey, don't you think? No, I don't know. I would have expected um, them to have a lot more chances. I mean, it, it, it was as if um, they had all the talent and no heart and we had all the heart and no talent. Um, and apart from fuck knows how they they didn't score when it when we bounced it back across the goal mouth. When was that? The end of the first half was it? Around there, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember that. That was that was you know when that happened. It was like okay, maybe maybe we might we might be able to nick this, or we're definitely going to hold this out. And I think. I think it was just really battle of the wits, and, and I think our heart got us through it. Um, and and it, we were just causing them problems. You know, at first, in the first half, they they couldn't get past us and then they started playing a bit deeper and, and, and breaking us on the counter-attack. But we even sussed that and then we were just there. I mean, a few of our players were like, Ryan Woods was okay. He weren't great, but he was better than what he was. Um, you know, the ball, what he passed, the ball, what he flicked in was superb. We didn't score, but... Um, Harry Matty's, he was again superb. I think Ben, you know, where he was playing against Watford, I think he was just small, too small in stature. He just didn't have any, um, any body weight to him, and he was just being thrown off the ball every time he went to jump into somewhere. He was thrown off the ball. Zahor's great, um, he was good at fucking trying to get the ball on his chest and backing back, but other than that, he didn't really want to do a lot. He, he was, he was pretty clean for most of the game, and then. Towards the second half, he was getting a bit more dirty, but he was, he, I don't know, I don't know what he brings, considering he's supposed to be a, you know, a, a bit of talent. He just doesn't really seem to, to bring anything to us. You mentioned the first half. I think, you know, first 15, 20 minutes, there weren't a lot in the game, I don't think. I think, you know, Huddersfield was going to say that. Watford started to grow into the game a bit more. But I think, you know, what, you know, Neil mentioned there, Malone was, you know, on the left hand side, quite lively, I felt, in the first half. I was quite. I think with this formation, obviously with Jed Wallace playing more centrally now, I think he he has more of a say in the game. And I think Mickey mentions uh, Sahore, which we'll get onto in a little while. But I think I think playing this five three two and allowing Wallace to kind of take up spaces further forward in the pitch, albeit in the wide areas, which I think he's most dangerous in. I thought he was every time he got the ball, he looked like he was going to do something and affect the game and almost give us a chance to score a goal. Yeah, I think yeah. Well... You know, you've actually got both me and Mickey both actually nodding our heads in agreement there. I think he looked far more interested than he has for weeks. And he looked far more effective than he has for weeks. One or two of his little balls were absolutely sublime, weren't they? And I'll tell you what we haven't mentioned. One or two of Keith's passes. That boy can pick a pass as well. Yeah, you know, not only can he smash players, yeah, he can actually pass a football, and that was something that that I was pleasantly surprised by. But but yeah, now going back to Jed, I think we've got to find a way of keeping him involved and keeping him interested, and we've got to build on this. But I still think we didn't create enough. Yeah, we didn't. The first half we did. 
one or two chances. I think McNamara put one across that I think they said on iFollow that Zahor was offside. Christ knows how he was offside when the ball came from five, ten yards away from him. Mm-hmm. But he didn't really look that. But but it was much, much improved from Jed Wallace. I know that you when you did your uh, when you did your squad thing, anybody wants to watch that on YouTube where you put them in uh, I think we had a bit of banter in the group chat, didn't we? Over yeah, you saying that he could that he was in the top tier, and I thought, no, nah, he's average, mate. But today <laughs> you could see that quality that's been missing from him for the last three, four months. I think he's a player that you know he gets on the ball a lot, and I think but you want him to impact the final thirds. It's all good him touching the ball and, you know, buying free kicks deeper and winning us, you know, opportunities to go further up the pitch. But you want Jed Wallace to get the ball in the final third and cause defenders havoc. Like, when was the last time you saw Jed Wallace, you know, peel out wide and take a player on, knock the ball past him, do a little fancy trick? Something he was doing last season, especially in his little rich fame run of form. He hasn't really done that. But I thought today we saw a bit more energy from him and also just he has a, that yard of pace that causes defenders all sorts of nightmares. You mentioned the chance about half hour in where... McNamara clips the ball in. Also, the build-up to that was quite impressive. I think, you know, I think Wallace pulls in in the middle. McNamara bombs on. Wallace picks him out. Sahor was the first one to kind of bring the ball down, chest it. He turns his players so well. I think I think Max picks up on it, the guy that does the commentary with Carl Bates. He, he almost compared him to Romelu Lukaku, which I think is generous, but he was right in what he said, though, where like he likes to get, bring the ball down on his chest. And if it comes at him at an angle and he holds the player off, no one's going to get the ball off him. And it was that little build-up there that I thought, there's a pattern of play there, which I haven't think we've seen for a long while, Mickey. I don't, you know, I think there's maybe a little bit of an idea there that going forward, you know, into Sahor, Wallace is there. Then you've got a wing back bombing on in McNamara. You know, there could be a little pattern of play there that we could use to our advantage, hopefully. No, I think you're right. Um, and I think that's what I said with Zahor, you know, with um, Zahor. I think he's he's good at that, that, that sort of stuff. But other than that, getting in hungry, you know, getting in and, and, and racing down is it's not. But Wallace tonight looked different. He just looked as if he'd um if he'd found his love for football again, you know, he was allowed to to do what he wanted. He, you know, he had a free run, um and it was good. Um old little Danny Matt, mate, he he's he's a great player in the making, mate, that player and and hopefully that we can manage him and and, and progress him really well because that is a, a definite player of the future we're watching in the early stages there mate he's a great player in the making neil but he's also a great player for the now like you know yeah. he's saying for the future but also for, for the now he, he's made such an impact yeah. he's, he's got to be commended hasn't it yeah uh well i think we we're all pretty excited when he seeing what he was doing at St. Johnston, weren't we? And we're all thinking, oh, can he do this when he comes back? Scottish Premier League, it's not exactly the highest standard of football if you take Rangers and Celtic out of the equation. But he's come back and he, well, he's come down, he's come into the side and he looks like he's never been out of the side, does he? He, he, looks, he looks like a player that's far more advanced than his experience suggests his quality in putting that ball over. Uh, it's absolutely unbelievable. When you, yeah, well, I know we say about Marlon Romeo, but Marlon Romeo's final ball lets him down. 
Yeah, Danny McNamara has got that final ball and he has got that final ball with absolute quality. I think we've got to be careful. We don't want to build him up, build him up and build him up. Yeah, undoubtedly Premier League teams are going to start looking at this lad now because he is absolute quality. And yeah, well, let's hope it all continues. I have to agree with you. I think hopefully, you know, we can keep him grounded. And also, you know, I think he, he looks like a, a, a good little character for a middle side anyway. So I don't think that'd be any danger there. Back to the game. I mean, first off, I've got a couple of notes here that I wrote. I mean, I think there was like three shots on target the first half. There was nothing real kind of worrying. I think there was a little heart and mouth moment where I think cleverly um, whips in a free kick. I think Cooper was the one that brought down Saar and got booked for that. But I think he whips it in. It comes off Hutchinson's chest. He's kind of squabbling with Dini. And then it almost, Mickey, just drops in at the back post. Um, Actually, I'll come to you, Neil. It almost just drops in at the back post there, doesn't it? A kind of high math moment there for us. Yeah, yeah, I think that Mickey actually mentioned that a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, well, when your luck's in, your luck's in because that ball hit the post and it went straight across the six-yard box, didn't it? And it only needed a touch. And you thought, oh, but that was actually one of their only moments of quality in that first half, I thought. Um, we lived on our nerves, but hey, I think yeah, I think that we deserved to yeah, I think we deserved it. I think um I got Saar had another chance, I think, towards the end of the first half, just before we had our couple of opportunities. I think Deeney, you know, handful was ever Troy Deeney, but I felt we coped with him well today, especially Sean Hutchinson. I mean, Hutchinson's had a couple of mistakes on the ball when he's passed it, but I thought he defensively he defended the goal line superbly today. Um but I think, you know, apart from that, nothing real testing. We then have the opportunity, Mickey, where Cooper hits the post. I mean, I think it was Woods that stands up to the back post to him. And Cooper gets there, as you'd expect him to. But somehow, it's kind of just travelled at speed. It bounced along the way, but hit the post. I mean, almost could have been a good opportunity there. Yeah, that could have been. If it was slightly half inch um, towards the left, that would have gone in. I think, who was that was running in? Was that Thompson who ran in? Because I would have just it. thrown my, I would have just thrown my body at it just to hope for the rebound. But he just seemed to have, I don't know whether or not he had his head down running into there thinking that the ball was coming in. But he just, he, he completely missed it. But no, that was good. And, and uh, you know, I think if that had gone in, that would have possibly um, spurred us on, I reckon. If that would have gone in, then I reckon we would have probably got another one or two and, and Watford, because I reckon Watford's heads would have just dropped um, from there. But you were saying a minute ago, I was just looking on the BBC, they reckon that Watford had 13 shots, five on target, and we had four shots and two on target. I'm talking about the first um, half, we had three, I think, I think, or four each, I think, or two each, sorry, in the first half, I've got here. So I don't even think there was that many, though, but... That's it, you know. I, I I don't even think they had that many shots, to be fair. But yeah, yeah. I think, no, I think um, it makes a great point, actually. The guy that followed in that header, he should actually have thrown himself at the ball if it was Ben Thompson. He should have done everything in his power. Then, yeah. But I know he's not the biggest lad in the world, but you'd like to have just just to have actually seen him gamble, throw yourself at the ball. You're two yards out. You make any kind of contact. That's a goal, and you're 1-0 up going into half-time. Great time to score a goal, wouldn't it? And it, it might, as Mickey said, make their heads dropped, and it might have spurred us on a little bit. I think there was a lot of opportunities I, I noticed, and I think the guys commentating said it as well, where, you know, 
especially the front three, Thompson, Sahor and Wallace, they're all kind of pinned to the Watford defence and they're kind of asking the question of could one of them pull short? I don't think it's... It, maybe Wallace could have done it out of them or maybe Sahor, but I don't think it... That's probably the downfall of playing Thompson there. You know, Thompson doesn't really have the ability to get on the ball and then look for that killer pass. I couldn't help but wonder, you know, what would Conor Mahoney do in this side? I think I'm not sure whether or not I'm convinced on Mahoney, Mickey, but, you know, I found myself tweeting about him at half-time. I thought, you know, like, if he's in this side, come in and get on the ball, he'd, he'd love the space and opportunity he would have had there maybe to, you know, put in a, you know, a chance to get on the ball and just cause havoc, really. No, I think you're right. I think the trouble is, though, I'm with you. It's the consistency. It's, you know, he has one good game, one shit game. Um, and you've got to, you, you know, at the moment, you've got to look at it that um, Gary's right in it. But I don't think he's going to get fouled. I don't think, no matter what what the noise is, you know, the lights of other shows calling for him to be out and all that. Like, I don't think um, he's going anywhere. I think what what the board said to him is, look, just keep us up this season, keep us in it, and then just find your players, build your team, and go. And I think that's that's where he's going defensively. He is a you know he is a defensive man. He is a um, that that's. That's his bag, do you know what I mean? He, he will make sure that we keep the clean sheets and, and go. And then hopefully we can just find a couple of strikers, whether that come from youth or whether or not we get a few more who can who can score goals. Um, but again, I just, I, I just think that he's still trying to figure out what the ideal team is for him. And it's all going to be about players who actually want to play for him and do what he tells him. Because, I mean, you can hear him from the from the line tonight, especially at the end, screaming at the players, telling them, don't let them get that crossing. Don't let them put that ball in. Um, so you know that he's passionate and he's fighting for a, for a life. So, yeah. I think what annoys me most, well, not, I, I can understand that we're not the, the football inside that Watford are, for example, nil, but we don't move the ball quick. Like, as in our defenders, especially, they'll get on the ball and they'll take forever to, but if you look at Watford, this is why they kept the pressure on us today. Even though they didn't create too many chances, like we said, to kind of make us worried as such. But they moved the ball so quickly. They just swing it from left to right. And it's like, it, keeps, it leaves us kind of on our heels a little bit. We don't really do that. And I, don't, I think that's a lot of the downfall. You hear Rowan, especially in the first half, where Mickey's saying about him from the touchline, he's, he's asking to move the ball quicker. We, just, we don't really do it enough, I don't think. Going back to Mahoney, I think he was supposed to play for the reserves today, but it got called off, didn't it? We're recording mm-hmm. this on Tuesday. I'd, I'd like to see what he could do again because we need somebody to drive at defences. And if you look at his goals, I said it on Friday Night Live show, that that is when he is at his most dangerous, is when he picks that ball up and he drives at people. And you want to see him do it. But you're right, we don't... I don't know if it's the pitch. I don't know if it's the players we've got. If 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 we, yeah, when we talk about quality, Watford weren't. Well, we weren't in the same postcode, were we? As those players we mentioned earlier on, Saar, Chalabar, that was at Chelsea. Incidentally, I thought Chalabar should have got sent off in the second half for laying that elbow onwards after it already been booked. Uh, uh, the Albino lad Hughes, sorry, I must stop referring to him as that. Uh, and uh, <laughs> cleverly, they are they are top quality, experienced Premier League players, aren't they? On 30, and 40, 50,000 pounds a week as well. So, you know, yeah, golf yeah well, exactly. Yeah, well, that buys you, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that idea. Um, yeah, we've got Ben Thompson came through our academy system. We've got Ryan Woods on loan from Stoke. Yeah, we've got Keith, who we've just picked up on a freebie from Birmingham. Um, so it's different bits of quality. I think that I think that Rowett he needs to get some quality in, and I think he knows he needs to get some quality in there. Sorry, Mick. That's uh, so what I was going to say. I mean, you've seen the, the tweets coming in with the one. I'm going to read them. I'm going to yeah. read them in a bit. Yeah, I'm gonna, I was going to go to the tweets at the end of the show just to kind of read through. But if you want to read one now, you're more than welcome. It was, only, it. it was only literally because it's what we what we were just saying and what what we all said and what you just said. He just turns around and says, "Um, he says we need a rethink of formation." This is Jack Clark on uh, on Twitter, and thanks up to Phoebe for giving us a heads up on this one. But yeah, um, it says we need a rethink of the formation. A goalkeeper, five defenders, and three centre midfield is complete overkill. If we're playing five at the back, we need two uh, centre midfield. Fields and then the third, which was Ben tonight, needs to be replaced by a striker, either Mahoney, Bennett. Um, to be that defensive as home is absurd. One thing I would say to that, and I think um, I agree personally, obviously playing that many players defensively, I think we obviously played to get the result, draw or, or win, so to speak, today. I think draw was worst case scenario, win was best case scenario. And to be fair, we got that. I think what I didn't like was, I think midpoint in the second half when changes started to come in, Bennett comes on. And I think also it was, um, I've got it written down, John Daly Bodfartson. And then we went to the three up top. And then suddenly you notice we didn't have as much of an effect on the game because the wingbacks weren't getting forward because there was wingers out wide and there was only one up top. And then like we suddenly just were sitting too defensively. I think we're onto something with two up top. I really do. Maybe then, that, like I said, that 10 could be Mahoney and I think it's made for him. So, I mean, yeah, if Jack's listening to this, I see a couple of replies to it as well. I, I suppose he's always welcome on to say his piece um, and we'd always welcome people on. If you ever want to get in touch with us, we've always said it, drop us a DM and we can always have you on, really, because we do like having people to come on and debate with us, discuss all sorts, really. But, I, I mean, I don't know what you feel about that, Neil, but from observation, where like I just think we look better. Mickey, can you mute your mic so you can pick up a lot of static? Uh, we was getting a lot of. I've noticed, you know, with the two up top, Neil. I don't know what you think about that, but I think, I think we seem to do better when we're playing that instead of going with two wide men. I thought, mate, I've been advocating two up top ever since I think I've come on. You, sh- you yeah, but I've come on board here. I think it's the way that Millwall play, and it's uh, we look more threatening. You can't just leave. Bavardson up top on his own and expect him to do something because he ain't because he ain't gonna do it. Now the Millwall way is to the big man to knock something down for the little man. And yeah, well let's try something different. Yeah. Whatever he's trying doesn't work. So let's try something different. Let's think outside the box. Let's create let's find a way of being more creative because that's the only way we're gonna score goals is you need to put the ball into the box. And I think actually Max made a good point on a commentary tonight with Carl Bates that Watford were trying shots from outside the box, 15, 20 yards on that surface. It's a divot. It can go anywhere, can't it? We we seem to be shot shy. We And, and it's been that way for quite some time. We just don't seem to... We just don't seem to want to shoot and that's how you win matches is to put the ball in the back of the net and we haven't quite figured that bit out yet have we no that's the the 
20 million pound problem in the championship probably these days it's, it used to be 5 million five years ago then it was 10 million a couple of years ago i reckon if you want a goal scorer in this league now you need to spend upwards of 15 20 million which is scary very scary but i suppose you're guaranteed goals that way then but for Millwall, that's something we're not going to do in any time soon um i thought as the game went on like it is a fact though like you know he he played to get the game short out in the end i think the substitutes towards the end kind of told the story there where he thought he's done five two three and he's reverted back to the three midfielders bringing sean williams on i suppose you know mickey like you know we defended for the for the draw i suppose towards the end but it's against watford I guess he's he knows we're in a bit of a rut and we need to get at least a point on the board in the game in hand. It, you know, it, it makes a difference because if you look at the league table now, you know, I think the points difference is 10 points to Rotherham. And from 9 to 10, a significant, you know, Watford need now three wins and a draw to catch up with us, not just three wins. Yeah, no, but you could see that, you, you can definitely see he wanted that draw. He knew that there was no way we were going to beat him by scoring goals. He wanted to draw, so yeah, no. Um but I think every point is a bonus at the minute. I mean, I've listened to somewhere the other day who said, um, if we can, you know, if we can draw every game between now and the end, um, you know, would you take that? Of course, you would. I'd, I'd take every game as a draw rather than a, a loss all day long. Um, It'd be fucking boring to watch, though, mate. Jesus. Do you know what it would be? But at least we'd be in we we'd be in the championship. I mean, there's people already online calling that we're in a relegation fight. I don't think we're that bad yet. We're not. We're not a relegation team. No way. No. I can understand with the slump we're on, and I can understand. That. I think it's two wins in seventeen, so it's understandable to turn to that logic. Because if you go to the form table, and if I do, I need to give that a fair. Like fifteen last fifteen games, we're twenty first place in the form table. Only QPR, Wickham, and Birmingham beneath us. But I think this is it where do you write this season off, Neil, and say, okay, maybe we are in a relegation battle, let's get to 50 points and then whatever, play for 20 draws, like Mickey's saying there. Or do we maybe show a bit of ambition this next weekend? You know, we're 12 points behind Bournemouth. It's still feasible. There's always one team that always comes from the pack. Could be us. It could be us. You're right. I think what we've got to do is, is we've got to make ourselves safe. Yeah, but that's. Yeah, but let's make no bones about it. There are 10 points between us and Rotherham, as you and Mickey have just pointed out, and that's a lot of points. So let's build on it. Let's yeah, let's go down to Cardiff, see if we can see if we can actually see if we can actually nick a result down there. And let's build on it. Let's get a couple of players in. I know he's trying to get people in. Well, we're not in a relegation fight because we're not. Well, we're not that low and there's enough points as a buck. With fast funding up to $10,000 available through net credit, our online application process was designed to get the money you need quickly if approved. You can borrow an amount that meets your needs and repay in a way that works for your financial situation. And we report on-time payments to credit bureaus so you can build credit history as you repay. See what net credit can do for you today. Check your eligibility without affecting your credit score at netcredit.com. All net credit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the net credit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com slash partners for more information. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. 
from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Sports are easy to disagree on. Let's see what happens when sports talk hosts talk about something they agree on. Hold on. I'm saying drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. Well, I disagree. I think drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. (laughs) Come on. Wait, I think we're saying the same thing. Oh, so uh, what do we do now? Everyone agrees that drivers who switch and save with Progressive could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2020 and May 2021. Potential savings will vary. Offer between us and Rotherham. I think the bottom two are gone, and then it's one from about three or four, I think, isn't it? Yeah, well, let's face it. But as I think, I think our problem is that we got a bit carried away pre-season. Everybody started talking about playoffs, the Premier League, uh, this, that, and the other, and it's just not turned out that way. It's the Millwall way, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. where we proved to be an extreme disappointment. But that's look at securing ourselves in this division, and if we can pick up a couple of wins over the next couple of games, then look to kick on. But if we have to dig in and we have to draw every game, you're right, it will be absolutely fucking awful. And we'll come on here game after game after game after game saying the same old things. But I tell you what, I will settle for that. Yeah, I will absolutely 100% settle for that because we need to be in this division. Go on, Mick. Can I just play devil's... Uh, say, say the system he plays tonight, right? And I mean, you know, Cooper potentially could have scored two goals tonight, right? He don't really... You know, he scores here, here and there, but he potentially scores two goals. We like Wallace having that open road and, and you put two up. Say, for instance, I don't know, Smith or, um, or Bradshaw up front where possibly can stick the ball in the net potentially. But opening up that middle part of the park, if you've got some players, if he's still looking and he brings some in, you know, where he's looking at midfield players and stuff. But what's to say we don't get someone in who can score eight goals? All of a sudden, it could change our season. If we can get, you know, with a new boy in that, scoring a couple of goals or, or putting goals in. Go on, Amar. So this is my point, though. So, like, would you rather us play for 20 draws? It's only seven wins instead of 20 draws. Do you know what I mean? Like... It, it, I know it sounds only seven when we've only won six all season. I think it is, but the reality is, like you know, if I'd rather us play for wins because I think we're good enough to try and get them. I do think we're in games and competitive, and I do think we'll nick a few. If you win the next three games, suddenly you only need four wins to stay up. Four wins from seventeen games, easy nil, no? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well, football is a simple game, really, isn't it? You just score more fucking goals than they do. I've only scored you... 20 goals all season, for fuck's sake. Well, but you know, I'm an optimist, not a pessimistic person, all right? We need, got... we need two players who can score 20 goals a season. And, we don't need a know... team of 11 who can only score 20. And you know sake. what, though? I, t- I turned around to my friend today and I was talking to him and he was like, yeah, he went to me, you've done well to do a podcast during 
a pandemic where you can't go to the games and your team shit. And I was like, I don't have a comeback to that. What, what am I supposed to say to that? Because we've not played great. I, I could. I think we've played probably two good games all season where I've gone, core, we look good. Two, if that. Brentford, we look exciting. What other games would you say we played well? Let's be honest, on top of my head, there's not many that come to mind. We'll yeah, but today we've all come on here and we're all laughing and smiling about a nil-nil draw. Because and it's not have a clean sheet. It feels good. It actually feels good. A nil-nil draw actually feels good the more Mate, that we're talking about it. Just just one thing on the first half. Whose heart went in their mouth when Bart hit the deck? And the medics come out and they're checking his hands and all that. I was sitting there going, oh, for fuck's sake, don't bring Fielding on. Don't bring <laughs> Fielding on, for fuck's sake. <laughs> But yeah, no, I think you're right, Omar. I think if he can if he can sign somebody, I know he's being linked with all kinds of players at the minute. Just, name, just name a player, Neil. Name a player. Let's start a rumour. Just name a player. <laughs> yeah, well, Lionel Messi's out of contract at the end of the season. And, and well, it's his, yeah, well, it's his lifelong dream to go to Bermondsey. I'd I've got a Steph- video of him Steph- in the taxi. Personally, Stefan Meyerhoff for anyone? <laughs> We're looking at but the games... You know, are we looking at you the geezer from Motherwell? Shanklin, Shanklin, the geezer yeah. who you sent on our WhatsApp group, yeah, this morning because he happened to have the Lion King on his. No, no. What I said was, what, no. What I said was, there's rumour about him, and all of a sudden he's got some Lion stuff on his profile. Whether or not he's had it there for all the time, I don't know. But it just, you know, some of these rumours have got to be true. You don't know if they are or they're not, and some of these players are have got to be true. I mean, we're looking at someone in Hibs. We're looking at the guy from Motherwell. I mean, you know. Some of these journalists who are breaking these stories, they're not just two bob internet companies, you know, they're, they're, they're not little ones on the internet. These are some of these are like Telegraph reporters, et cetera, et cetera, actually quoting oh, names. Yeah. So, you know, some of these have got to have something behind it, whether or not we're just trying to rattle players or not, because, you know, we might be doing that, trying to rattle the cage and see if, you know, anything can come for it. But if we can get another one or two decent players and, you know, and we're getting them fairly cheap, then... You know what, well, Gary's done a good job, hasn't he? He's not. I mean, what kind of worries me is that he's only trying to sign midfielders. Yeah, because maybe that's what he sees. What we need in a minute. No, we need a fucking striker to put the ball in. <laughs> the <back. laughs> yeah, but we got yeah. seven on the. Or, or as Omar said earlier, we got six on the books already. If yeah, you haven't seen my tier list video, honestly, check, check out our tier list video on YouTube. What I've done the other day, I spent half hour just going through it. And I, I kind of deeped it afterwards, where I was like. We've got six fucking strikers, and we still can't score goals between them. It's, I know, I know. It, it is crazy. It's a, it, but and that's it where we are, though, I suppose, isn't it? Are these strikers good enough? Is, is Matt Smith not? You know, if you're Matt Smith, I think you're probably called to try and get a move away. Let's be honest. After not getting on the pitch today, wouldn't you be knocking down the door and saying, "Guff, what the fuck is going on?" Top goal scorer in- last season as well. Yeah, remember, yeah. I think he should be. He should be up there, mate. Right, playing in that front two, he should be up there. Whether or not, we don't know. We say, oh, he can't play all game. We don't know that because no one's actually given him the chance. Either use him as an impact player, like, you know, Solskjaer did years back, or, or just playing from the beginning and then swapping with someone else to give fresh legs again. I think half hour to go in a game, if you've got Matt Smith coming on and you're chasing a game, that shows you want to win this game. When it's nil-nil, half hour to go. If we brought on Matt Smith today, I would have thought, He's going for this here, Neil, don't you think? Yeah, why did he bring on Bavardson? I know. John Daddy Bavardson. Yeah, I know he made a 
uh, bloody donation of 200 quid for for this thing that's going around. But honestly, Matt Smith, the guy, the guy's crying out to go on there. If I was Matt Smith, I would be chinning Gary Rowett in that dressing room after the game. I would pin him up against the wall and ask why Bavardson went. That's got to be the low point of his career, isn't it? John well, Daddy you, Bavardson coming on him instead of you. When you're listening tomorrow or you're listening throughout the week after this to this, if you agree with Neil, just, just let us know that you agree that Smith should be chinning Gary Rowley to get a place. <laughs> yeah, well, we have to tell people listen to us then that way. But no, I thought yeah, he we... should be, though, shouldn't he? He should be going absolutely mental at him. I'll yeah. be screwing. Unless there's something we don't know, I'll be screwing. You know, top goal scorer, like you said last season, and yet you can't get in the team for Toffee, mate. Do you know what I mean? You've got people getting ahead of you. Unless there's something written in. Again, you don't know what's in these contracts. Unless they're trying to get rid of Daddy, and the only way they can do it is giving him some appearance money and then, you know, pay him off or get him. Maybe they're trying to show people that actually, look, have him. Really you know, is shit. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for you, Atkinson Stanley. Come and get him. I don't think anyone in their right mind would take on Bodvarsson to be honest with you at this level. I probably no one in League One could afford him either. But, you know, that's it. I think we spoke about the game quite a lot. I want to read out some tweets. But before I do, so Mill's on 30 points now, played 25. We're 10 points clear of Rotherham, 12 points behind Bournemouth in sixth. I think mid-table mediocrity is, I'd take it. I would take it, to be honest, yeah, considering how it's been this season. So Exactly. So I think, you know, bring on Cardiff Saturday. I hope we get a win Saturday. I really do. I know it's been McCarthy's first game, but then after that, you've got Norwich, which is not going to be an easy game whatsoever. Sheffield Wednesday, Reddit and Birmingham and Wickham. Then we're coming back to the games where we've done well um, in October. You know, Birmingham, Wickham, Luton, Barnsley, Preston. So you never know. If if we was to pick up a couple of wins in the next few games, you could challenge the team and go, look, Wickham, Luton, Barnsley, you've done well against them in October go again and then who knows where we could be so I am definitely glass half full after today and I don't really know why I'm not going to lie to you but I thought they didn't really cause us too much trouble to be second in the table and I'm optimistic that the two up top with Wallace further up the field is going to be a key thing over the next few weeks I really do think that's going to um, run right for us and hopefully it does I want to read out some tweets we already mentioned Jack Clark's tweet that I put on the notes here but the emotional one at short C says we got a draw against a Watford side that have gone second and we're in a relegation battle he put in his, in his speeches there. I disagree there, but that's fine. Yes, it wasn't a great watch. A little bit of realism needed from our part, really. I think that's fair. I think, you know, a little bit of, you know, understanding. But I suppose, you know, we didn't chase the game, which could be a criticism aimed at the manager. But we got a draw against Rob, uh, Watford, which shouldn't be turned up at that. Another tweet from BL10CBL. Still not learning, even though Rowett is saying the same things after games. These players shouldn't be getting so many basics wrong. Not enough forward thinking, movement, runs, and simple giving goes through balls, etc. Woods sat far too deep again. Should we mention Ryan Woods? Anyone want to pipe in there? Yeah, no, I actually agree with that. I would have thought that what with Keith arriving, I think everybody was hoping that Woods would play a little bit further up, weren't we? And that it might bring out the best in him. But I don't know if it was the pitch. I don't know if it, if it was the opposition. Because... Where well, the centre of their midfield is quite good, and I don't know if if it, if hopefully yeah well hopefully against Cardiff it will be different that we'll see Woods getting a little bit further up the pitch, and he'll do something. I really want him to do something just so he, he had a couple of good passes today, though, didn't he? He, he, that not, 
The thing is, though, he's not a he's not a further forward player. You can't imagine Ryan Woods on the ball running. I can't, and I don't think he. I don't, he's in his locker. Is if you give him time and space, he's going to put a ball seventy yards away on a two pence here. That's what you. That's what Ryan Woods' game should be. But the problem is, is he doesn't get in them positions enough. I mean, maybe with Clifton Bell there, hopefully against lesser opposition, i.e., Saturday compared to Watford to Cardiff, maybe he might get that space and opportunity to cause some trouble i really am confident for saturday but that's just me being me i think so you you've know got to, you've got to read out the griffin the griffin alex j griffin 21 go on, you is, go ahead. It's, it's funny if our intention is to bore teams into submission then it worked well tonight <laughs> <laughs> what about um sp from the first of january garrett said he needed more attacking threat and options with six days left still nothing Huge week ahead. I think that is fairly put. Hopefully by Friday when we do our live show um, in four days' time, three days' time, we might have some transfer news to talk about attacking players that can make a difference for us, maybe. I don't think anybody's signing. That's the problem at the moment. I've spoken to agents and they're not expecting an awful lot of business to be done in this window because of of the closeness of games and, and... I think I think we might have to wait until the summer for yeah for Gary Rabbit to get in a lot of the players that he wants to get in. I, I think it's a great statement of intent that we're willing to spend money. Sorry, Omar, I'll give way to you. I don't know. I was waiting. I just want to say that I was coming to you once you finished talking there. But we said the same thing last season. This time last year, we said the exact same thing. He signed Woods on loan. He signed Bennett on loan. And we're thinking, he signed a couple of loan players here. They look good. Hopefully, they can take us through to the end of the season. And in the summer, he can make some more changes. He didn't make any changes. He signed Scott Malone on loan. He signed, you know, Ryan Woods on loan again. You know, like yeah, it wasn't an off season this season, was of course. It? But then there's still teams at Strengthford. If you look at Preston this window, Preston have strengthened by all angles, and they've, you know, if if we want to strengthen and spend money, spend money. Go on, Mickey. I think it's to do with I think recruitment. The fact that you know we we talked about this in the group because um, Nick show this week act on uh, Aaron and that sort of made the revelation. Revelation, but we all knew that Aldo was. Um, a football journalist come up from Southwark News, started news at Den, and then managed to get a dream job, um, head of recruitment. I think it was Neil what brought him in, wasn't it? Head of recruitment into uh, Millwall Football Club. Did he have the knowledge and expertise to do that role? I don't know because we seem to have gone, you know, fairly stagnant within the recruitment levels. My question, sorry, my point here is, I'm up and and then obviously come in is that he's now left. Have was he on notice? Did he get found out by Gary and left or did he just get poached and left? But that period of his notice, what he was obviously on, the period of the guy who's come from Birmingham who was obviously on notice, potentially we've probably lost six months of scouting. So are we going for players what Gary and the recruitment guy have all worked with and know well to bring in because he knows they're going to work? Are you asking me, are we missing Alex Aldridge? Is that what you're saying to me? Are we Are we missing him? I'm saying... Is that the question? He- yeah, yeah. Are we missing him and was he caught out? No chance. We're not missing him because we're an old school club. We've brought in these new fancy roles. And this is my honest opinion about it. It's something we could probably talk about in more detail on a Friday Night Live or in the future. We're an old school club where we just ultimately offer players to the manager, but the final person that has a say is the manager. You compare it to Premier League clubs. Premier League clubs sign any player they want that they think is going to make their team better, their squad better, because they know they might get rid of the manager in half a year's time. Neil Harris signed Neil Harris players. Gary Rowett has come in and signed only Gary Rowett players he knows. We don't bring anyone forward to the plate that these these recruitment people are making forward. 
I will come to you, Neil, in a second, but they, they, we're not bringing anyone forward to the plate and go, let's sign this player because he'll be good for the next five, ten years for Millwall. He will go up in value. He will do this. We're signing players that the managers want to sign. The problem is, sorry, Neil, sorry, one sec, one sec. Obviously, when I was a bit closer to the club and whatnot, they used to have a meeting every year before... I bet, every club does. And they basically, they they, they have their title where the scouts or whatnot or the recruitment gives them a list of players what will fit their mould. And I think possibly that recruitment over the last few years have been driven mainly because of money. No, these roles are mundane. For a football club like Millwall, these roles, they're just there to say that we've got one. I, I really think this because if we're if we're plucking scouts and then we're saying these are the best players based on numbers, because this is what these recruitment people will do. They'll go, oh, this person's got the most running distance stats. This person's done the most passes. This person's done all this. The manager will go, oh, that's cool. I want Mason Bennett. I want Scott Malone. I want these players. We don't do... It's kind of point... I imagine these... I really do think this and I'd, I'd, I'd love to maybe one day speak to these people that work in recruitment at the club club right but i imagine it being the most demoralizing role because you will sit there and go i really like these players i think these players will be perfect you give the name to the board you give the name to the manager the manager goes "Mm, nice i don't want any of them and throws the list away i really think that you're going to be able to ask these questions on friday night live this week this is is ultimate reality though isn't it i think go on i I would suggest that i think it's harvey bustle isn't it who's our new recruitment head I would have thought that he's got in much the same way as Kenny Jacket had. Uh, if you, you, you read the book, The Family, Kenny Jacket had a list of players that he wanted to sign. And by or by crook, by the time he left, he'd signed them, hadn't he? Even if it was five or six years late. I would say that they've got a list of players that they were looking to sign when they've been at other clubs and they are now going through that list of players. There's no thinking outside the box. There's no speaking to Aaron Randall's agent at Exeter City and trying to put in a cheeky bid for him or Luke Jepcott's at Plymouth or, or things like that. They've got a list of players that they've wanted to sign, that they've looked into and because they fit the way that Gary Rowett wants to play football. But Neil, if you're a football manager and then you've got someone above you that deal or someone next to you that deals with recruitment and he goes, and you, you're adamant, you want Jeff Cott, but then I go to you, take Walters out cruelly, but then you have a choice between the two and you're the manager and your decision is f- final because, oh no, your decision is more important because you're going to want the player to fit into your style of play. Who are you going to go for? The player you want or the player the analyst says to you to get? The player you I'd want. them both. Well, what a best player, basically. You'd sign who you think is the best player, and that's it. Yeah. Football's a game of opinions. And then, so, if you look at our recruitment in recent years, right, the only people I would tell you, I think, looking at it, are like Alex Aldridge or Mill recruitment player signings, are the likes of uh, Marlon Romeo. Romeo came in and sat in the 23s, wait for his opportunity, suddenly got given to him. If it's a Neil Harris signing, a Neil Harris signing will come straight into the team because Neil Harris thinks this player's going to better the squad. You think about Harry Ransom, who's extended his loan to Dover the other day. He's extended his loan for the rest of the season because he's a player that we signed from another non-league club a few years ago. We picked him up and thought, oh, he could become good. We're just rolling the dice on these players and they can make up the 23. The same with Tyler Bury. The same you know, Harry Smith done. was another one. Harry, Harry Smith, Smith, exactly. When he was so, there. All these players arrive 
and they don't feature in the first team squad because the manager doesn't want them. The manager will go, I don't really want these. Hopefully they might come good if they get an opportunity to grab it one day. But we're not offering them the opportunity to play unless there's an injury or whatever. The manager ultimately will play what the manager does. And if you say to the manager, these are the players you're getting and here's the coach to then make them better, then that's one way of doing it. But Millwall don't play that way. Millwall try to bring these recruitment jobs in. But it is the manager's say at the end of the day who we sign. We're going to, on that bit there, can I plug Friday night's live guest now then? Go ahead. On Friday, we can ask all these questions. Uh, We've got ex-manager, ex-Millwall player, um, ex-Chelsea player, um, his ex-FA coach. Uh, We've got John Sitton coming on the show. Um, We know what we get out of John. He's honest, he's up front, he speaks how it is. And I think it will be uh, a very interesting show to to get a view from what Gary's doing with the team, how he's playing from a manager point of view, recruitment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I think John's going to be a good guest for Friday. I, I agree. I do agree with you. I think he'll be um, insightful to kind of give us, you know. Obviously, he's, he's renowned for a few things he's done in the past. These YouTube clips that I love. I don't really know. I can't say I have the... Obviously, it's a bit before my time. He's impact on, on the game, so to speak. But I really look forward to getting his insight from him. Um, I'm just getting myself wound up now talking about recruitment. Who remembers Paul Rooney, this Irish centre-half we signed from Ireland? What happened yes. to him? Another player, Paul Rooney, right? And what about this Lazar Stoshtovich we signed a couple of years ago from Broken? Exactly. Exactly. Half these players get announced and then got put into the 23 squad and never play for us. Well, these were Aldo players, weren't they? Well, these are players that we've plucked out of conference and below or they've been released from Premier League clubs. And it did work for Marlon Romeo, so you can't knock it. And it probably might work with Tyler Bury. But it it doesn't... These are players that you're signing and the manager goes, I don't want them, put them in 23s. That same year we signed Paul Rooney from this Bohemians, we signed Jason Shackle, 35 years old. Why doesn't why is the club not pushing it on to Harris at the time and going, here's the player, make him better, make him work. If, he just, if he's not up to scratch, fair enough, but at least give him the chance. I because reckon that doesn't work at the level that we play at. And then, of course, and if he does shit, the manager loses his job. This is the problem. And this is why it's a catch-22 scenario. I think we've got... I think we'll do that for two weeks on the, on the Friday Live in February, unless anything major happens between now and then. But I think that could be a good topic for uh, the first show in February to um, look through the players we've had and, and just see, you know, what was the Aldo effect at Millwall? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just it's a recruitment where you try to sign young players that obviously one day will have a sell-on value or could play for the first team. I understand it, but... If you're going to have these head of recruitment people in and, you know, people that are, I think them sort of jobs and, you know, I'm talking because I feel like I see this all the time. You, they're just there because they're getting a list of players. It's like, it's like in my job, if someone turns up to me and goes, this is how you, this is what I'd do to fix a computer. I'll go, cool, but I'm going to do my way to fix a computer first because I think I know best. That's just how it is. And football it's... is opinions. That's it. Do you think that Millwall isn't really in in the same league as being able to bring uh, up-and-coming youth in, especially when you're looking at the likes of, you know, major Premier Leagues, Man City, et cetera, et cetera, have all got, you know, under five elite academies and stuff like that. I mean, I just don't think if we're looking to bring players in to make money, I think it will be short-term rather than long-term. As in, you know, Chelsea could bring a player in under, under the age of 14, 15 and really nurture that player through. 
do we? I know I'm not right. I'm not knocking our academy guys because there's a load of them that follow us, and our academy guys, some of the eight, nines, and tens coming through, are absolutely fucking mustard, right? But they're eight, nine, and ten. We're not going to see them for another ten years or so. But they are mustard at the minute, and and that level academy are great. But is the higher up level academy coming? You know, bedding them into to possibly getting into main league. Are we at that point? Because look how many players we've got at the moment sitting in the under twenty threes who ain't getting a chance. We're not scoring goals. We could do with Gary Alexander. We could do with Abdul Malik. We could do George with... Alexander, not Gary Alexander. <laughs> but to say that's the point, right? We got to the I'll FA take Gary back, though. We got to the FA Youth Cup quarterfinal uh, last season. So, you know, and players that play in that team, Hayden Muller, you know, players that are now coming up to the first team, you know, so Sean O'Brien's another good young player. Nana Boateng gets mentioned to me a lot. I think by TT and Kyla when they've come on the show. Abdul Malik's obviously one that a lot of gets gets a lot of attention. So you've got these young players there. Like, but then is it then? This is, so should the club turn around and go look? FA Cup quarter finalists lost to Chelsea, who went on to win it. I think actually they didn't last year, but they have done the last few years. Gary Rowett, we want four of these players to come through to the first team in the next three years. If you don't do that, you failed us on that point. Yeah, you I mentioned think- Man City earlier on, Mickey. You name one player that Man City have developed to their own apart from Phil Foden. That's it. Because they, they because they sell them on afterwards yeah. if they can or whatever. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Michael Carroll. Jack Harrison. Yeah, well, I do quite agree that we that we should be seeing what George Alexander can do because an Abdul Malik. I know that there was a guy on the Friday Night Live show who was very vocal in wanting him to play last weekend. Yeah. The likes of Vardson, uh, Tom Bradshaw, Parrot, Zohor, mm-hmm. they're not scoring goals. So why don't we – I do agree. Let's put these lads on the bench and let's give them 10 minutes at the end of a game. And if and you don't already now, now – if you don't think they're ready now, then maybe they should you wait a couple of years and then say – but you've got to have the manager to know, like – Look at these FA Cup quarterfinalists in the Youth Cup. Get them in the team eventually. Look at look at the um, you know we've got proven proven track over history where we do well in the FA Cup Youth Games and then those players get bedded into the team and and, and do well going forward. the The problem is is that right now you've got no fans in the stadium. I would be playing some of these youth in the stadium because you haven't got the boo boys, you haven't got people jumping on them if they make a mistake. And you've got the prime example and a prime, you know, arena to let these boys have a go. You know, it'd just be like playing an under 23 game apart from you're playing with men and you're playing with proper teams as such. But to be fair, they're probably playing with a lot of these players what are playing who are coming back from injury in the under-23 league anyway, because they get older and older as we go on anyway. I mean, there was that thing in the paper the other day with drink water, you know, 30 years old, still playing in, playing under-23 games. Do you know what I mean? So, what do you do? I don't know. Yeah well, I, yeah, well, I quite agree with you. And I would like to know, I'd love, I'd love to get Gary Rowett on here for an hour and to grill him about why these youngsters aren't, in and around the squad, does he actually think that they're not good enough? Or are they not ready? Yeah. Well, he must think they're not good enough because he thinks, you know, a couple of them are, but he must think the others aren't, then, I guess, because, you know, Billy Mitchell's obviously got a couple of games, so he must be good enough. But 
this is it though. And I think maybe this is when as a club, it needs to be not give them, this is what I think Mill will do. They give the manager a lot of power. The managers say it's final, but then I'm not asking them to pick the team on behalf of the manager, but I'm saying to them, you get a squad of 25 players. Eight of them need to be youth players in four years time. I don't know. Just or something like that. Just where you could then, you force the situation. If it doesn't work out, then okay, fair enough. But then I think what we do is, is and this is the problem, why probably we won't sack Gary Rowett just now, is because then we put so much faith in the manager and you give the manager all the power in the world to sign his type players that he wants to sign. But then you might sack him and then bring in someone else that wants to play a completely different style of play. So you either, I think as a club, we need to set what we want to achieve, how we want to play, and then that's it. We employ managers based on that style of play or that style or that way of playing or that mentality. But I could talk this, about it for hours. So I think this, this is, is definitely something we should talk about. A, yeah, this is, I think the first February, first one in February, the February the 5th, I think is the first one in Friday, Friday in February. And uh, I think we do that. The youth team, the players we've had, we not, why even, you know, why aren't the youth team? Because no doubt there's loads out there, but I've got, um, youth team experience there seems to be a load on a normal chat and at least then it gives them a focus to attempt we spoke to John this week because he's all booked up and then mm-hmm. uh, and then yeah we're, we're the Friday after I'll look at seeing if I can get an academy guy or someone on because this is always the thing though isn't it everyone always mentions the Berryese and says why didn't we play Berryese well Harris wasn't told to play him or Harris wasn't told to bring some players through and he didn't break the barrier and it was a, the manager's opinion but then obviously some people might have thought he's good enough but then sometimes the player doesn't give the op- doesn't perform yeah, the opportunities in front of him sometimes either how many kids when we done when we interviewed Gary Gary Alexander um Alan Dunn and all that when they were talking about um who's the um Liam Trier uh, and and also um, grabbing where you know their heads just weren't in the game there, and they admit to you know their heads just weren't in it all the time. Not so much with boss's name, um, with Troy, but with grabbing when they were saying about grabbing, you know, that even he knew that his head just weren't there in. And now he's come on since he left us. He's he's, he's realised actually he nearly threw his career away. And how many of these young players do that and then suddenly go, you know? it must happen for all the premiership where we suddenly get someone in lower league. So, yeah. We've talked for an hour tonight when we weren't meant to. It was probably meant to no. be in an hour. So, I think we've we've definitely got a nice talking point to go to before um, we, um, you know, when we, we go to Friday Night Live over the next coming weeks, especially when the window closes. Go on, Neil. I was going to say if anyone's got anything to add before I wrap things up. Want to plug our Marvin Williams show, which I, I was think is... going to plug all this, yeah. Thursday yeah, <laughs> morning. Thursday yeah. tomorrow. So, so you've listen- obviously got us. Oh, you, you I was just going to say, if you're listening to this tomorrow on the first day, then obviously tune back in the following morning. You've got Marvin uh, Williams, who's uh, very honest up front. And uh, yeah, great interview. Um, it was great. I, I actually did listen to it as well. I managed to get hold of it and listen to it. And I think it's a great interview. I think, Neil, you um, your interviews are good niches, mate. They get better and better. So no pressure. But, you know, 2021, they've got to be better than last year, mate. Yeah, well, that's some pressure. Yeah, well, Marvin was very open and that's all we ask for of these players. And I think so far since I've come on board and we've done it, we've had some really honest, and this is brutally honest. This is a guy that came on, yeah, well, in much the same way as we're talking about. He came through the ranks. He was thrust into the first team, looked like the next big thing. Five managers later, he's out on his ear. And he is so honest. It reminded me a lot 
of our interview with Cherno Samba. If you haven't listened to that, that gets very emotional from Cherno, doesn't it? I think all three of us were in on that, and there were tears. I don't mind admitting Cherno got very, very emotional. And I mean, if you're not listening to any of you, he was fucked over by Millwall. Um, back in the day, and, and listen to the show, and you'll 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 get it all. But Marvin's good. Um, we got some other players being lined up to do. But look, you know, if you're a, an ex-player listening to these shows, and you you know you fancy coming on, um, all we ask is that you're just you know honest and upfront um, in an interview. It's you know it's an easy it's an easy interview style, but we just ask you to be you know upfront and honest uh, with the fans. And you're more than welcome to come on. That's it. I think um, we've ran our course for tonight anyway. We could probably talk for hours more, but some of us have got work in the morning and it needs to be out early. So, you know, <laughs> but um, as always, folks, everyone for tuning in. We do enjoy any reviews we get. I think we've had a couple in the last week, which has obviously been nice and we do appreciate that. Five stars is the standard rule. But then if you want to be criticism of, you know, of Neil or Mickey, obviously I'm perfect. So you don't have to criticize me. So, um, but any criticism under a five star rating is fine still. So just an FYI on that one. Obviously, check us out on Twitter. We've been doing a lot of interactions on there. We've been doing throwback games and stuff like that, which have been going down well, at that mill pods. Um, and obviously, if you want to get in contact with us, all the details are in the description of this show notes. And obviously, check out our, our YouTube out because we've plugged a lot on there recently and done a few different bits. But Mickey wants to interrupt just my show and add one thing. I do, just one thing. Just on the pod, on, on the Twitter account of pod, it's me or Omar that does it. And, um, and Jack, the only reason I replied on there today, we digging me out again, was for the pod invite you know, rather than me personally, but it's me or Omar that does it. The spelling mistakes and the bad grammar is me and the other stuff's Omar. I want to uh, put Mickey on a ban from tweeting on the account, but baby yeah. steps, we'll get there eventually. So <laughs> you can go fuck yourself. But yeah, as always guys, uh, we do appreciate any reviews, like I said, and I do appreciate your, uh, time and listening to us really we obviously enjoy it and i think hopefully this year we can keep going strength to strength so yeah i'm gonna sod off i think we all two of us are gonna sod off and we'll be back soon thanks for listening layers bye progressive is america's number one motorcycle insurer so we understand motorcycles no really we have a bike translator okay so this bike says she is struggling with her place in the motorcycle community well she says she hasn't peaked yet but she's having a little epiphany okay Oh, that maybe life itself is the peak. Hmm, interesting. In my experience, I found that. So I just translate. Not allowed to have opinions. Got it. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However... When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.